And the things that make me want to photograph are the things that feel charged or, or that have, that make me feel something. I recognize them. They're like pieces of a puzzle and I don't quite know what the puzzle is. This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, the upcoming printed photography magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olsen, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today I am thrilled. I am really deeply happy to be talking with Austin Granger. Uh, Austin is a photographer out in Portland, Oregon. And Austin, man, I got to tell you, I'm a fan. I'm just going to say that right up front. Uh, I look at your work, the black and white, the use of light and lines, the landscapes have all spoken to me ever since I was first introduced to your work. It is a pleasure to talk to you today, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you very much for the kind words, Scott. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I mean, it really is a special um, emotion, I guess, when you come upon somebody's work that seems to strike a chord. And your work does that for me. Clearly, it does that for uh, a great many people. As, as you and I were talking just a moment ago, uh, I want to begin with sort of an idea that you've got out on your website, because it, it struck me... Um, as, as worth a story, worth unpacking. And before we get there, I should tell everyone, uh, if you want to follow along on Austin's website, uh, it's austingranger.com, A-U-S-T-I-N-G-R-A-N-G-E-R.com, uh, where you will see a whole collection of, of really evocative black and white, mostly landscape pictures. But Austin, you say on your website that you've come to see photography as a spiritual practice, a way in which to shape your life and enrich your relationship with the world. What do you mean? <laughs> Started with a big question there, Scott. Um, <laughs> wow. Well, um, you know, um, when I was younger, I was in the Navy for four years. And then after that, which was a wonderful experience, I decided to do the most kind of opposite thing I could think of to do, which was to um, study philosophy at UC Santa Cruz in California. I guess that was a way of introducing the, uh, the fact that I'm sort of a person that lives in their head a lot, um, very interior, you know. And when I was there at Santa Cruz studying philosophy, I was sort of um, retreating from the world a little bit, like I had lost touch. You know, I was, I was still in the world, obviously, but I felt like I was on stilts, like a little bit of a ghost that can happen if you're living in your head too much. Uh, I don't know what originally, you know, what, how this idea came to be, but I, I carried a little point and shoot camera and I started walking around. Um, and I found that I just loved doing that. And in a way it, it brought me back to the world, like paying attention to things. And it didn't even matter what it was, you know, um, you know, a piece of driftwood or, you know, a rock or something like that. I live by the beach. Um, it just felt like this connectedness to the world that I had missed. And it kept me sort of um, anchored. And for me, that's sort of a, I guess I'd say like a spiritual endeavor, you know, like meditation. Photography requires a, a focusing of the mind and a um, kind of rootedness, you know, when you're and your monkey mind stills, you know, all those waves that we have in our mind still, you see things in a way um, that you might not have otherwise. Um, they take on a certain charge. And for me, that's kind of a religious thing. And then I also mean it in the sense that 
as a practice, as something that I do every day, I photograph almost every day. And I don't really have a plan in mind, but I walk around and I look and I look and I look until eventually, um, you know, my mind stills and I let go of all those million things that occupy our mind. And then the world seems refreshed and charged and, and I feel thankful for, for being in it. And to me, that is adjacent to religion. It feels like um, a practice, uh, like a spiritual practice. That's what I meant by that. Uh, my life is structured around photography too. That's another way. I mean, it's really, it's all that I do. It's, it's what I think about. I spend many hours a day um, thinking about photography and I can't say I've come up with a lot of the answers. It seems like the more I photograph, the more questions pop up and I, I don't know what I'm doing half the time, but I do feel compelled to keep at it. And that's another thing that uh, makes me think of uh, a religious practice. And that was a very long-winded answer, Scott. Sorry, I'm I'm better at photographing than I am at talking about photography. (laughs) Bear with me. I I think that was great. And and it's leading me to to, um, follow up, though. Whether it's philosophy or religion, I'm looking at your photographs. There is a lot of structure. There's a lot of form to your stuff, a lot of attention to line and and light and stuff. And if philosophy is a way to try and and articulate order in in chaos, if religion is a kind of way to say, here's here's a a structure for living your life, have those bled over into your sense of composition? I mean, do do you see philosophy and, and religion informing how you decide what is a photograph? Uh, I would say, yes, I do. You know, it, it sounds strange to say, but oftentimes I, I don't care what the subject is. I, I mean, I do, but I care more about whether the subject can kind of put across a feeling or an idea, um, if that makes sense, if it can like carry the weight of, of, an, of a mood or um, an idea or a feeling um, and I don't know if that makes sense. Well, I'm just looking at a picture, um, that I had sent you earlier, the telephone pole with all the birds bursting off of it. Yes. Um, and for me, like when I see the telephone pole, I do think of religious symbolism and I know people will bring that in their mind. And I can't say that, uh, that I'm a religious person in the, in a traditional sense, but I want those type of ideas kind of floating around. I want people to feel that sort of, you know, something that is charged with um, with symbolism. So I'm definitely drawn to that. I'm drawn to, you know, empty spaces. I'm drawn to odd things. I'm drawn to, um, I don't know, things that they're kind of maybe metaphorical that can be read that way. I mean, there's no right way to read my photographs. People can look at them however they want. Um, but that's how, sort of how I look at it. Like, sometimes I feel like I'm... Um, like building a language with my photography that I'm going around and like, I don't really know what I'm looking for, but I know it when I see it. And the things that make me want to photograph are the things that feel charged or, or that have, that make me feel something. Um, they're almost like I recognize them. They're like pieces of a puzzle and I don't quite know what the puzzle is of, but I know that they fit to it. Gosh, and that was a, uh, I'm going sideways on your question, but I'm, I'm trying to get at it. Um, well, I, I think going sideways is, is 
almost always the very best way to go when you're talking about a kind of emotional or intellectual or spiritual response to something. Uh, to go back to the telephone pole with birds, though, a lot of your imagery, clearly you've spent time thinking about what's going to be in this shot. And yet this one's really kinetic. You've got the birds all you know, leaping away from the wire at the same time. Was this a happy accident or were you waiting for that to happen? A little bit of both, I would say. It was funny that you said that it was kind of planned because I, I didn't really plan it. You know, sometimes it's I have this kind of uncanny sense, at least when I'm photographing well, that things like that the pictures are already there and I, and they're just kind of waiting for me to come along. Um, I know that's like an interpretation that I probably invent looking backward. But at the time, it feels kind of like inevitable. It's a weird, a weird feeling. But I saw the birds on the wire and uh, I had this kind of idea in my mind that I would try to photograph them as they as they left the wire. Um, and to tell you the truth, I went underneath and I set up my tripod because I was using very slow speed film. Um, I use film for everything, which I don't know mm -hmm. if that's interesting to you or not. But um, anyway, I, I set it up and then I looked up at all the birds just on the wire and I just said, fly. And they all flew <laughs> at that moment. And I released the shutter. And uh, I had kind of guessed right on the shutter speed, I guess. Um, but I didn't really know what I what I had until later, which is one of the things I like about film is I like that sort of delayed um, gratification or that kind of mystery. Like I, I never quite know how things are going to turn out, even though I've been photographing for 20 years. And I enjoy that period where you have this kind of you know, like a, like a wrap present under the tree and you, and you don't know quite what's in there. And, and, at, yep. you know, for that few days before you develop the film, it's, it, you know, it could be the best picture you've ever taken and then it never is, but still it's, I like that period. Um, uh, or like having an unchecked lottery ticket in your pocket or something like that. Oh, living in a constant state of anticipation. I, I do love that. Um, Frank Conway, one of my favorite writers, has a quote that I carry with me all the time, um, both as a writer and a photographer. Uh, and he said, sometimes the light bulb will appear above your head, but it may be years before it turns on. Um, okay. By which, you know, in other words, I know this is important, but I don't know why. Oh, yeah, I can relate to that very much. Um, I just kind of trust my inner compass. Um, I don't usually have like an agenda of things I want to photograph. I mean, there are things I'm drawn to, but I try to go out there with an open mind. Um, and then sometimes I'm photographing and I just really have no idea why. And then later on, I might think, oh, okay, you know, maybe... Maybe I was thinking of this or that, but it's only afterward. And that's part of the, the joy for photography for me or the compulsion is I feel like right or wrong, I, I feel like I'm getting somewhere. And I know that that might be my mind making it so, um, but I can't help feeling like that. And so I just, I'm stubbornly keep at it and keep at it, um, thinking that that I, I'll get some answers someday about myself or the world or, or something. But anyway. Oh, very nice. The picture of the birds and the telephone wire is in a collection on your website that you've titled Correspondence. Right. Um, and there's a, there, there's a couple other images from that collection I'd like to chat about as well. But sure. first, why, why do you call it Correspondence? Um, well, it's sort of a, um, a takeoff of uh, Stieglitz's equivalence idea where, you know, a picture of a thing can be, can be more than the thing, or maybe like Edward Weston when he talked about his peppers famously, you know, and said it's a it's a pepper, but it's more than a pepper, you know. Um, and correspondence for me is like this idea of pictures that can put across a feeling to the viewer, 
and, and it's a feeling or an idea that might not necessarily be what the thing is of. And it's a tricky thing. And I, I don't know if it's entirely possible to do that, but I like to feel that it is. Um, so I go around and, and like I've said a couple of times now, photograph things that make me feel something. It could be sadness or, or joy or whatever it is. And I feel like that if I can photograph them in a sort of transparent way, that my viewer will be able to feel it as well. And so correspondence is means correspondence in a sense of like, you know, like letters correspondence, like I'm communicating with somebody out there in the world that I may never have met through my pictures. But it also means that like the thing, the image corresponds to some interior condition. So I'm trying to think of an example, um, like say, you know, I don't photograph people very often, but I do feel like my photographs are concerned with our human experience. They're very human to me. Um, so I might photograph, you know, uh, a truck in an empty parking lot, say, maybe it's at night and there's a, a street light lighting this truck. And I might compose it in a way where maybe I back up and I make the truck very small and this really vast, you know, sea of darkness. And for me, then the truck becomes a person. It's, it's kind of a metaphor of, you know, feeling, feeling lonely, solitude. And that's what I mean by correspondence. So it's still just a truck and it's not, you know, it's, it's very clearly that, and it's fine if people just want to look at it that way, but um, it's also a corresponding to maybe a mood or a feeling that I, that all people on this planet have felt, um, which is that sense of solitude or, or, you know, desolation even, or, or something like that. So that's what I mean by correspondence. And this project is just spiraling out of control. Um, I hope to someday um, make it into a book, but I haven't quite gotten that far yet into it. But uh, another long-winded answer. You know, this is the most I've, I've spoken in about uh, about two months, by the way. So uh, I'm a very quiet, shy hey, person, but if I'm nervous, I speak a lot. So forgive me, anyone out there that's listening to this. <laughs> oh, I, I think this is fascinating. and, and I, But I want to call attention because so many photographers – no matter what they're shooting of, are really in their mind taking self-portraits. This is how I feel about the pigeon. This is how I feel about, you know, the building, whatever. What, what you've said essentially is that you, when you're taking your photographs, you have me and the thousand other me's in your mind. Um, that that the, the photograph is, is an intermediary versus a mirror. Whoa, that's a, that's a tough question. I mean, I, I think they're all mirrors in a way because, you know, we bring our minds to our looking at things. And sometimes, you know, pictures just don't translate at all. And I've had that experience. And I think, wow, is that how you see this picture? Like, that's incredible. Uh, we really are different. Um, so that's a tough one. They are all mirrors in a way. But I do hope that there's somebody out there that 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 feels that, that gets what I'm putting down, so to speak. Um and I, it's not even that there's a right or wrong answer. I just want people to feel something, whatever it is. I mean, they'll decide. And 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 that kind of brings me to another thought, which is that I enjoy, this is kind of weird to say, but I enjoy photographing empty things or kind of generic things or even leaving things out of photographs. And the way I look at it is that I want to give people room to enter into them and make it their own. Kind of like, you know, like if I were a songwriter, I can be very specific on details. And that's one way to tackle um, 
expressing yourself. But then another way is to kind of, you sort of set the stage and you, you give maybe the kind of a, a rough sketch of something. And then you know that the listener is going to fill in the rest and make it personal. Like I want my photographs to feel like they're meant for my viewer, that they're, that they're personal. And the way to do that for me in my way of thinking is to kind of leave room for people to enter into them. And what I mean by that you know, aside from the generic bit that I said is I try to photograph things in a, in a straightforward way as possible because I don't want people to be thinking about me, Austin Granger. Like that's the last thing I want people to think about. Um, so I try to not be super mannered, you know, um, I try to just have it very kind of deadpan, straight, um, simplistic, transparent, um, thing and I, I don't know if I've succeeded at that, but um, that's kind of how my my way of approaching composition is is just to be very sort of um, straightforward about it. I, I use mostly a normal lens on everything. I don't spend a huge time like manipulating my photos or anything like that because again, I don't want people to think about the the man behind the curtain, you know, making it this way or that way. I want it to just look like it couldn't exist any other way. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. It, it does. Let me, again, this is still in the correspondence section and we'll get to some of the others in just a second. I, I'm going to call out three images here and you can pick one and, and, and sort of tell me the story and the intention behind it. But these, these are three uh, that spoke to me for differing reasons. Um, th- there's the clock on the, I think it's a ferry, but some kind of a ship. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there are the three globes. And then there's the, I guess it's a street lamp on a uh, beach taken from a great deal or, or a, a good distance far away. Oh yeah, that's out at the uh, Bonneville Salt Flats in Utah. Oh, okay, do okay. Speed trials and everything like that. I know we were talking about motorcycles earlier before we started recording, but that's yeah, that's Bonneville Salt Flats and the lights there. That's the freeway. So um, oh I okay, parked at a rest stop there and just walked onto the the dry lake bed, the salt flats, and just turned around and I said, "Whoa, there's a picture!" And then I ran back and got my camera. <laughs> um, <laughs> So um, I guess I started talking about that. I, I, the, uh, I'm interested in, you know, the sort of new topography kind of photograph sometimes like the, you know, impact of, of humans on the land. And I'm interested in time and the passage of time. Um, and that photograph for me is, is kind of that as well. And again, I, I, I like using um, distance to get a, a certain feeling across. So I like that sort of, I'm out in the desert here by myself and I'm looking at all the uh, the people passing by. You have the distance there, but it is not a lonely photograph, um, at least not for me. It's an invitation uh, to sort of step in and figure out what's going on here. Oh, great. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. That's, a lot of the categories you have on your website, a lot of your work is um, landscape-based. So talk to me for a minute about either the Palouse or Easter Island or Peru or Portland or how does landscape influence your aesthetic? That's well, when you say landscape, I think of sort of Ansel Adams, uh, Edward Weston's sort of landscape. And those are two of my, my photograph, my photographer heroes. But I would say that I don't do that kind of work too much anymore. I started out that way, uh, photographing the Point Reyes Peninsula in California. I would say I'm drawn more these days to landscape, but landscape with um, some mark of of humans in it. And I, you know, I'm interested in, uh, in things in the landscape, like the Palouse, for instance, like I do a lot of photographing out there. 
Uh, I've gone five years in a row in the wintertime now. This is in eastern Washington. It's a, it's a, a wheat-growing area. It's very sort of stark, other planetary-looking, um, but very beautiful, too. And I love like finding the old farmhouses out there. And one thing about all the open space out in the Palouse that I've found is it makes anything that you find out there sort of elevated, if that makes sense. So you might find some sort of farming implement, you know, a, a harvester or something like that, just in, in a giant field in the snow. And the things that you find out there, it, they seem more loaded because of all the emptiness, if that makes sense. And uh, I love that. And, and finding the, the, the battered windmills and, and these old farmhouses out there. Um, and uh, sometimes, you know, this is going off track a little bit, but there's all these abandoned farmhouses from different eras and, and there's no people out there at all in the winter, or at least it feels like that. And I might, you know, explore an abandoned farmhouse that was left in the 1970s, sort of a time capsule. And then two hours later, I might be in a, in a place that was left in the 1930s or forties. And so you feel like this time becomes relative and you're just, you've stepped outside of time altogether. And there's just these sort of artifacts just, resonating out there in the fields. And um, it sounds kind of crazy to say, but once in a while, I almost feel like, um, like I'd feel I, like I'd find my own childhood home out there or something. Like I've entered this magic realm where that such a thing would be possible. And I'd find a, a house in a field and it would be, it'd be my old house from, you know, 1975 or something like that. Is your work about the Palouse nostalgic? I think so. Nostalgic. That's an interesting word. I don't, think of that word, but yeah, I would say so. I feel like, you know, like a lot of photographers, I'm drawn to weathered things. I'm drawn to decay because they're visually interesting, but also I feel like these things are passing away so quickly and I want to honor them in, in my way. So I guess that, that would be nostalgic, right? I, yeah, I feel like I want to sort of, um, I don't know, to, to honor them in the best way that I can before they're gone. Um, and, you know, as a photographer that goes back to the same spots uh, over and over again over the years, I've just certainly learned that everything is totally transitory. I, I, there's a boat out in Point Reyes, which I think is on my website. It's on the cover of my book about Point Reyes. But um, I photographed this exact same boat from the same perspective um, for 20 years as it slowly disintegrates. And in, in that way, I'm kind of making a record of its life. And every time it's completely different, um, which is another thing that fascinates me about photography is that you're photographing something that after that is already gone. It's already something else. Um, nothing is the same from moment to moment. Um, so, so what is the thing really? <laughs> what is its, its essence, you know, and that, that kind of obsesses me um, to try to get at something's essence. I don't know if that's possible. Maybe the essence is just transitoriness. Um, but wow, we've gotten off track. Uh, but the, the boat, yeah. Um, so I enjoy going to the same spots and trying to, t trying to do them over and over again in a, in a different way or recording things um, as they fall apart, which is nostalgic. And again, to go back to talking about people um, or my lack of photographing people, like the boat, the boat is a stand-in for people as they age and disintegrate. So, wow, that's a really downer kind of sounding note, but go ahead, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> but I should say, I want to get one thing across that it's that, you know, although my photos might look sad sometimes, um, I, I'm rare, I'm, 
I'm seldom happier than when I'm out photographing. I really do feel uh, a sense of joy. Speaking just for myself here, I do not see sadness in your your photographs. No, very good. good. I want to go back to something that you said a second ago, because so much of the difference between very good photography and excellent photography has nothing to do with, you know, what gear you're carrying or that kind of stuff. It has to do with sort of the philosophy. It has to do with the spirit, you know, what in the world am I doing here? Kind of. Right, right. And your notion of honoring uh, the subjects sparked a, a different memory uh, where someone explained to me that the, the word, you know, the verb to save means both to rescue, you know, from immediate harm, but it also means to preserve, you know, to, to save something forever. Um, and, and I do think photography, in many instances, does both simultaneously. You know, it rescues something that that is in, in the physical world decaying, um, and preserves it for uh, a, a great long time. Oh, uh, sure, right? let I me, can relate to that very much. <laughs> So let, let me ask you about a couple of the shots uh, in your pollution in, in wintertime, because, you know, again, I'm looking at them having briefly been out there, but also just thinking, you know, like every, you know, photographer, you know, damn, I wish I took that shot. There's the oh, grain elevator. All the time myself, all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, there is the grain elevator with a silo next to it that's got that beautiful bit of light uh, on it and, and a little mm-hmm. creek or drainage or something in front of it. Uh, tell me the story of that shot. Oh, well, let's see. Um, Is that the one with the um, sort of power pole to the right there? Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know if there's much of a story to that other than I was driving into the Palouse um, kind of late afternoon, if I remember right. And I just saw it. And and, um, as I mentioned earlier, like, I, I don't really know what I'm looking for. But when I see it, I recognize it right away. I kind of, I feel like um, I kind of put my antenna up as my mom says sometimes, I put my antenna out, my feeler, and, and, and it's sort of like just waiting to receive. <laughs> it makes me sound completely loony, but to, to receive something. And, and I just, mm-hmm. I, I know the signal when I see it. It's just kind of like, well, that's a photograph. And I just pulled over and I set up my camera um, and took the picture. And that's really all there was to that picture. I kind of like the rhythm of the three things, but you know, that said, I, I don't really think when I'm photographing, I'm not thinking, okay, you know, this is going to be this and I'm going to put this there. And, and, and like that, it's more of like just a, like a feeling of when something is right or not right. And the composition is the same. Like I, it's almost like there's a, like you're, you're, if you're tuning in a station on the radio and you're sort of static, you know, but it gets clearer and clearer and I, I kind of move around and, it becomes clear and like there's only one spot that is the strongest spot to stand in. And then I just take the picture and that's really it. And, you know, I can't claim to be a, a master photographer. Believe me, um, most of my photographs are terrible and you'll never see those. But I am always sure <laughs> at the time, um, even though I'm wrong, um, but I still have that faith, you know, in my in my instinct as to what you know, what looks right and what doesn't look right. Um, and I just keep going with that. And then my hit ratio or my batting average, I guess you'd say, um, people ask me that sometimes it's about 20% uh, images where I'd pursue the image. And then out of that, there's this much smaller range that um, would, I would consider to be good uh, or, you know, or really good or something. Um, but I photograph constantly and, and that's, um, 
that's I'm I'm stubborn. I keep at it, and so I've accumulated this uh, a lot of photographs that way, I guess. <laughs> and and it, it's no surprise to anyone that experience as, as a photographer is the best teacher because. If you had taken that shot, but you were 50 feet to the right or left, you would have looked at it and said, damn, you know, I, I should have been 50 feet. Um, and so the next time you go out, the next time you go out, you, you have that little bit of, of learning from, from your own failure beforehand. Right, right. Shot, you know what I, I was just going to say, um, as far as composition goes, um, what was I going to say? Uh, well, you know, as soon as I see the thing and I recognize it as a picture and I go, okay, that's a photograph, I, I, I kind of don't even see what it is anymore. In other words, it's just, it's just shapes. Um, and it's just organizing shapes in, in a box. And, and I think I'm pretty decent at that. Um, it just, like I say, things feel right or don't feel right. But yeah, it's just, it's just lines and, and shapes and sticking them in this container. I think you are an absolute master at, at understanding light and line. Um, you know, the, the light on the landscape and the line of the buildings or, or you know, the windmill or whatever. Um, I, I love, by the way, the collapsed windmill um, in, in this, this series. That, that, that's, that one just makes me chuckle all the way through. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a thing for windmills, especially when they're kind of I, – I, you know, I have a thing. Honestly, I'm interested in um, things that are no longer serving their purpose. Um, they kind of – they feel really poignant to me, uh, and I always photograph them, whether it's like you know a broken-down car or a windmill with no blades or a chair with no legs, uh, there's just a million examples. Um, and I always feel really, <laughs> sounds funny to say, but I, I feel kind of tender toward them. Um, so I don't know what that says about my psychology, but uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> I'm glad you like that. That, that. that explains one of the other shots in this series though, and that's the old TV console, because that's one of the few interior shots. That's one of the few sort of, you know, electronic or whatever you want to call it shots. And yet here's this old TV console sitting up against the wall in, in some room. Um, well, I don't know if you can see it very clear on my website, but on top of that TV is a little bird's nest, um, like a little tiny, um, I don't know what type of bird, but right on the TV, I thought that was kind of neat. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I, I just, I walked in that room and again, it's just like, well, there, there's a picture right there. I like the way the, um, if I'm thinking of the right picture, um, it's got some sort of sun shadows on the wall and, and that's what really made it for me is that that kind of illumination you know the darkened tv and and the light still coming in because to me is it's about time you know and and i think about the people that that occupied that house and that one one story that's not really about photography but about about that house you know i was looking for evidence of the people that lived there and i was in their kitchen with their old appliances and everything and there was a dryer and the house was is very dilapidated and 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 you know stark and stripped. Um, but I thought, huh, the dryer. And I opened the dryer and I pulled out the the little lint trap. And there was this beautiful purple lint ball from someone's you know sweater oh. or something. And and I held it in my hand, and the wind was just kind of howling through the house through the broken in windows. And it just took this purple lint ball and it just floated across the house, you know, and I thought, um, I don't know, it was very, it was kind of moving for me because I'm sure those people are, are long gone, but. Tell me about pinhole photography. Oh, wow. Wow. I haven't pulled out the pinhole in quite a while, but uh, there it is on my website. Yeah. Um, I dabble in it. I would say it's, I take the pinhole camera out when I, when I want to shake things up, when I feel like just playing um, because it's so unpredictable and I really don't know what I'm going to get at all. And sometimes I feel like um, I get in a rut 
with doing the same things over and over again. And the pinhole is a way for me to kind of go back to that sort of childlike sense of wonder that I might've had at the beginning, um, 20 something years ago when I started out that kind of like, wow, look at that. When I get the negatives back. Um, and, uh, for me, the pinhole is, is kind of magical in a sense. It sounds funny, but I, I like the fact that there's no lens and it, it, in that way, it almost feels like the thing that you're photographing, the subject is sort of sucked into this magic box, you know, um, like you, like you've captured, you've captured some essence of the thing. I know that sounds funny, but in a way that's even more direct um, than lens photography. Um, But that said, I I don't use it a lot because it is so unpredictable, but sometimes I'll, I'll, um, I'll do it just for kicks. There's no pressure, you know, I'll just walk around and just play. So that's the deal with pinhole. I, I should do that again. It's been a while. Do you think it's important for photographers um, on a somewhat regular basis to work against type, to work against their comfort level? Yeah, for me, it definitely is. And I do that um, by switching formats. You know, I, I, I do shoot all film, but I go up and down. So, you know, I started with 35 millimeter, like like most people, and then got bigger and bigger negatives. And then I used a view camera for some years, um, up to eight by 10, which was very masochistic, um, and then retreated. Um, and then, you know, whenever I feel like, again, like I'm kind of stuck, you know, I'll just take a different camera out. I, I have a few. And, and also just subject matter, like, um, in the last year, well, I was working on the Palouse project and I was starting the, the, to write about the Palouse and I was hoping to turn that into a book. And then the pandemic hit, um, maybe in February, I suppose. Um, and I felt like, okay, well, you know, it's my duty to go out there and, and see what I can do, um, related to the pandemic here in Portland, Oregon. And, um, so I did that for some months and then the protests started. And so I found myself like really outside of my normal comfort zone. Um, and I bought a 35 millimeter camera and I have photographed, um, you know, all the things that are happening uh, in Portland protests and the pandemic. And then recently the wildfire smoke, I found myself photographing that. And so I've gotten very sidetracked from the Palouse project all these months later, but I, I'd like to think that it's made me, um, you know, this exercise different, different muscles and, and kind of kept me loose and, um, and looking at things in a different way and, and so on. So, yeah, I, I do think it's important to do that, at least for me. It, it, you're, you're jumping to, to my, my next question, of course, which is, you know, what's coming up, what's next. So are, are, is this work, was it simply practice work? Is it going to wind up uh, on your website? Is, is it- yeah. Um, you know, my website is, is desperately, um, behind by a year or two, but if people are interested in what I'm up to, I would say, uh, come on over to my Instagram, um, Granger, the photographer, or you can just search on Austin Granger, um, or on Flickr, which I know a lot of people are not using Flickr these days, but I find it's a great place to, um, to put my picture. So I put everything there. Um, and that would be all of the stuff from, from the recent, you know, from the last year or two is up on Flickr and on Instagram. And um, what was I going to say? Yeah. Oh, as far as the future. Yeah. I, I, I tend to th- think of my things as ending up in books. Um, that's really where my, my heart is. Um, and I do gallery shows here and there, and I love doing that. Um, but my deepest 
wish is um, to make books. I love the idea of like people being able to hold, you know, 80, 100 images in their hand. And I love being able to sequencing, sequence them. And um, I love the idea of people being, being able to like kind of step into my world for a little bit. Um, or not my world, it's not the right way to put it, but a world um, to roam around in. And I love bouncing pictures off each other. Um, so I have about, oh, geez, I don't know, six or seven uh, perspective book projects that I'm kind of slowly progressing on. Um, but it takes me a long time because I love photographing so much. And, and a lot of the other stuff is, feels like kind of homework that I don't want to do. Um, but photographing never feels like homework. That's, that's my joy. You know, I love just wandering around and seeing what I find. Um, that's my favorite thing to do, um, photography wise. Um, but yeah, hopefully, um, you'll see a book on Portland, in the not so distant future, and then the Palouse in winter, and um, I have another one called Evidence, um, which is kind of me being a archaeologist or a detective and making pictures of of things where you have to decide what has happened, um, or what might happen, or what is happening outside of the frame. So that's another project I've, I've been doing for a couple of years. And that one is on your website. Or yeah. Yeah, the website's just a, a selection from much larger um, projects. Um, if you if you're really um, masochist, you can go to Flickr and you could look at the entire thing. There's you know thousands and thousands of pictures on there. Well, I think this evening I will be resident at, at Flickr for a little while. <laughs> I'm, enjoy, I'm enjoying all of this. Thank you very much. This has been fascinating. Thank you very much, sir. I this has been an important conversation. Wow, that was really it passed by very quickly. Uh, I apologize for being so long-winded. Um, but again, um, I, I'm not used to talking to people. I do have a family. I have three kids and my wife here. But um, I, I kind of live in a little bubble. You know, I, I go out always in, by myself and I, I photograph. And um, that's kind of my world. And it's made me a little bit eccentric when um, when talking to other people. But um, I appreciate <laughs> your kind words and I appreciate uh, anybody um, that takes the time to to look at my pictures and, and get something out of them, uh, it makes me really happy. I feel like I've made a friend that um, I didn't have before. You know, I think you made a lot of friends today. Thank you, sir. Have a good have a good evening. Thank you, Scott. Thank you very much. Frames, because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com.